decision. I want to win championships. I want to win bowl games. Where else is better fit to do than your city? The power of home represents something. The DMV, like you try to explain it to people that aren't from there, and it's hard to explain it. That thing we talk about, Maryland Pride, is real. And the way we're going to play with Maryland Pride. He's got to go! Touchdown, Maryland! The Terrapins have one last shot at winning this game. Three seconds, two seconds, one second, throws it up. Money! And he got it! And the Terrapins win at the buzzer! Oh, Stevie Francis, showtime. Oh, man, what a play by Fias. Holy cow. Maryland hits the road to beat Penn State. Maryland pulls off the upset. They have defeated number one, and the celebration is on. And the kids have done it. Maryland wins their first ever national championship. Holding up Indiana, 64 to 52, and let's listen and look at the celebration. Be not afraid of greatness. Some are born great. Some achieve greatness. And others host college sports and recruiting podcasts. You're listening to IMS Radio at InsideMarylandSports.com. Your hosts, Jeff Ehrman, Paul Douglas, and Larry France. Okay. Had to stop the show and restart it. So people watching later don't even know what happened. Some of you guys know what happened. Major technical issues. We're starting round two here with our very special show. <laughs> the lacrosse season preview show paul douglas stop laughing <laughs> stop laughing at us paul we deserve it so I, I they, they are gonna have to tell us though can can they hear both of us can please someone who's watching please let us know in the chat can you hear us that is the first thing we need to know before we go on we had audio issues i mean first irish time. is even making fun of me now because you know st john's St. John's people always got to make fun of the superior Gonzaga people when they can. So it happens. You're a Gonzaga person. I I am. Did I, did I just drop a few levels for you now? you're like, Oh man. No, I mean, I'm just used to Paul with all the Damatha crap. And now it's, <laughs> it's not Damatha anymore. Can you hear us? Can you hear us? Please let us know. We're about to hear. We're, We're gonna, about to. We're going to hope that we're being heard. In that case, in any case, welcome to a very special episode of IMS Radio, our lacrosse season preview, let let alone the fact that there's already been a game. We're doing a season preview after the first game started. It happens. Yeah. But it's okay. It's only been one game, a dominant game for the Terps. But the reason this show is special is not because, and I've already said this, not because you don't have to look at Paul Douglas's ugly mug <laughs> for an hour, and you don't have to hear his awful opinions about basketball and football for an hour. Instead, I mean, it's, it's actually still funny to hear you say that, even though I've heard you say it now a couple of times. It's still just as funny. So, <laughs> okay. We're good. Well, they we can find, hear us. Thank they you, can, Steve. We can hear you. They, they can, can hear us. us. Thank you. Thank you very much, Steve, in the chat. Instead of Paul's ugly Doug, we had ugly mug. Paul's ugly Doug. Paul Douglas. Paul's <laughs> ugly mug. We have Tony Wheeler, a.k.a. Wheels. And we were trying to figure this out. What is your official title? Is it beat reporter for all non-rev sports expert? Guru, what is it? You don't have a title. I, I don't think I have a title. Um, I'm sure some people could could say some funny things though to fill in the blank. But um, no, you know, I um, I guess this is my sixth season now covering the the men's lacrosse program. And honestly, I wish I knew. I wish I knew more about the women's game to be able to to do that as well. But there's some really there's some people on on IMS that really know the women's game inside now. Um, but yeah, but they, they don't the get men. as they don't get as much coverage. 
They don't have as many fans. They'll get as many hits on the website, that kind of stuff, right? As many viewers when they play. Yeah, you know, as far as I know, and I guess there's a little bit of a chicken or an egg issue there with with the women's game and the men's game. You know, ESPN's kind of the main broadcaster for most of, of college lacrosse. And until recently, they showed more men's games than women's. And so the argument was, well, maybe you'd have a larger women's audience if you showed more games, on, especially on the linear on the linear side of things. So I believe this year ESPN is running more women's games than men's games. But uh, if you well, were to find talk to out, the, yeah, you know, and if you were to talk to the people at Maryland in, in the sports information office, though, what they'd tell you is that football and basketball are clearly the, the biggest in terms of fan engagement, especially across their, their social channels. But that uh, men's lacrosse is, is number three. It's the, it's the third most popular in terms of no. engagement. Not surprising at Maryland. I'm sure it's not number three at maybe any other school. Syracuse, Inside. maybe. Syracuse. Okay. Right. Syracuse, but, maybe. But, you know, then Hopkins, the only D1 sport Hopkins has is men and women's lacrosse. So that's a good point. So they're going to have, they're going to have big following, but it's, right. it's very, very few, right? Right. It's got to be. And when you were talking about the TV coverage, it just made me think of something. How does the Apple TV deal affect non revenue sports? Is, is Maryland lacrosse just going to disappear from people's conscience after Big Ten moves to streaming and Fox and they're not on ESPN anymore? I said, App, I said Apple TV. It is Apple TV, right? No, it's going to be, um, what is it? CBS. It's a mix, mix of CBS, Fox. Um, streaming. And aren't they, I think NBC might be picking up a, uh, like are a nightly. They, are they going to also show the non-res sports? They're going to show men's lacrosse games and. Big unknown. I mean, BTN, BTN is, is sort of the, the main, yeah. the main carrier, at least once you get in conference season, mm -hmm. uh, last year against UVA, uh, big game at Audi between Maryland and UVA. There's a bit of a back and forth between ESPN and the big 10 network over who would carry that game. There's a technically a home game for Maryland, meaning that the big 10 providers would have first right to it, but they did BTN actually picked that game up. Um, even though ESPN, if, if big 10 didn't ESPN would have run with it. So this year there is that little bit of overlap, but who knows what's going to happen next year. Are we going to start seeing non-rev games on FS1, FS2? We don't know. Another thing I was thinking about when we're, when you're talking about the different programs in D1, I, I researched once we started talking about this, doing this, and I researched a little bit about the growth of the sport. I actually have a question for Coach Tillman about that later when he comes on. But also just reading about how like Division One in particular might, uh, might continue to grow and about the possibilities of uh, more teams in the Pacific time zone and Mountain West. Right now you've just got three out there. You've got two in Colorado, you've got Denver and Air Force, and you've got Utah, and that's it. And I know there's been speculation about the Pac-10, 12, whatever, what have you, whatever they're going to be after USC and UCLA leave. Um, there's that angle. Are other teams in the ACC or Big Ten going to join? Northwestern seems like a candidate for the Big Ten, and there's other various ACC schools. Is the SEC perhaps going to institute a Division One program? Because all these programs play in, what is it called, the – M I L A or M M M L M C L A. It's the they're MCLA, they're CLA. Yeah. yeah, there's two club organizations. Yeah. So, do you have any perspective on that? Have you studied any of that? Like, which teams might come in? Which conferences might expand? All that kind of stuff. There's been a, there's been a lot. Of course, there's like a lot of scuttle. So this year, two former Division two teams jump up to Division one. So Lindenwood in Missouri. Not Queens, Missouri, in, Missouri. Yeah. Oh, oh no! You said Lindenwood in Missouri. Lindenwood in Missouri. Oh, I thought you yeah, said Lindenwood and Missouri. In okay. Missouri, no, in, no, Missouri. in Missouri. Okay. Sorry. And then uh, Queens College in uh, Queens University in Charlotte have have elevated to Division One. Merrimack did the same thing. They went from Division Two to Division One. Um, LIU, Long Island University, did the same thing as well. That's been the trend as opposed to what Michigan and, and Utah did. Michigan and Utah were the last two existing Division I schools to, to, to 
go from club or from in you know, in some cases go straight into division one. There's been a lot of scuttle about Florida State. There have actually been some freedom of information requests that have happened in, in Florida because there's apparently been some emails going back and forth between the AD and, and some other constituents. So Florida State is, is always on the radar. Believe it or not, in the Big Ten, if you were if I was to pick a program in the Big Ten, I'm with you. Normally, I'd think Northwestern, their women's team has won national titles right. in Division One. I. I don't think it'll be Northwestern. Minnesota apparently has has done some exploring as to whether or not they can elevate. They have a pretty successful club program and uh, the sports growing like crazy out there. And I part of the articles, I, I read a few articles. Some of them were pretty old, but I saw one from July of last year that mentioned Michigan State. As Michigan well. State used to have a program through the 90s and they shuttered it. Okay. So it'd be whether or not they want to revive the program. They had a pretty successful uh, Division One program for for well, for a few and years. Maryland joining the Big Ten was huge for the growth of lacrosse because that ushered in the Big Ten conference and it started all of this out, growing the sport in the Midwest in a way that it hadn't been before. You had Notre yeah. Dame and a couple others, but the other ones out west, you know, there's always talk because on the women's side, there's a full Pac-12 conference so in the women's game you know you're going to get cal you're going to get arizona state you know you're going to get a lot of programs um, oregon i think has a program so they've the women's infrastructure is is way more built up at the university level but it probably would take what happened at utah the apparently the the founder of jet airways fully funded that program he endowed the utah program to start it on the men's level. So that, that might be what it would take from a resource perspective. Southern Cal might be the only school right now that would have the pockets to do but it. Then they'll be in the big 10, right? So they would be. Yeah. I wonder part of what I was thinking as I was reading this and researching it, a lot of it has to be title nine as well, right? Because you have football and then in order to make up for that imbalance, they they sponsor many women's sports to kind of make up for the lack of uh, a women's football team. There's 85 scholarships and they have to make a proportional. So that's why you, you get all these women's lacrosse teams, but you, you can't have the men's correspondent because they need to have that balance of, of scholarships. Is that a big factor? It, it is. And whether or not it's the factor, I don't think anyone really knows the answer to that. If you talk to people who understand Title IX really well, they'll tell you that it shouldn't be that big of a problem because one of the other pieces of Title IX is that the the composition of your stu- of your whole student body has to reflect in terms of scholarship offerings, right? Like so if sixty percent of your university is 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 comprised of female students, then 60% of, of any type of scholarship resources should be, should be bound. It doesn't have to be sports. As long as you give out 60% of your scholarships are to women or females, I don't want to get that whole ball of wax, but yeah, it's part of it. Okay. Yeah. So it's complicated. And I would venture to guess that none of the SEC schools, if you ever take a look at most SEC athletic departments, they maybe have five men's sports. Well, baseball is huge. Yeah. You'll have like five men's sports and you'll have, you know, like you're saying for Title Nine, they'll have 10 women's sports to balance it out. But the SEC, football is pretty much it. You know, yeah. a lot of the SEC, I don't, someone can fact check me on this, but I believe the SEC does not sponsor men's soccer. Really? I believe that's true. Mm-hmm. There's very few because some of the other, some of the SEC men's soccer programs that exist have to play in other conferences. We got Coach Tillman joining us in four minutes here. Before he gets on, why don't we recap game one? Utter blowout, complete destruction of a ranked team. Somewhat surprising, too. They had played, they've they had played Richmond twice previously, 2019 and 2020. Both games were one goal games. The 2020 game was a double overtime game. And Richmond has really built up a good, very good program. They they were 
beating third na- the national third seed Pennsylvania in the first round of the NCAA tournament. They were up a goal with a minute left in the game and the ball. And they turn the ball over. Penn comes down and scores. Mm. Game's at Penn. Oh, hold on here. Looks like Coach Tillman's calling me. Uh-oh. Go ahead. Take it. All right. <laughs> you, you had to mute it. I wanted to hear the conversation. Uh-oh. Is he canceling on us? Paul, stop laughing. Stop laughing, Paul, right now. Paul's loving every issue we have. Look at Tony's face, Wheels' face. Is he upset? He can't join us now. Basketball team's doing well. Uh-oh. That was John. No, he was just making sure. Okay. He was just making sure he had the right link. So I, he, I was worried he's going to cancel. No, he should be in your, he should be in your, uh, he should be in, in the waiting room pretty soon. Okay, cool. So great. It was a great game and it was an unexpected game because the Terps are, and John will probably get into this with us. Um, they have to replace almost 60% of their total scoring. And um, for them to come out and it was 14 to one with nine minutes left in the game, 14 to one. Um, and the Terps should blow them out. Here's t- John Tillman's story. That was good vamping by you, though. Did you hear it? Kind of. I was going to go into basketball. He <laughs> took for too long. Hey, Coach, how are you? Can you hear us? Uh, I can hear you. Great. All right. Well, thanks for joining us tonight. We're very excited to be doing a, a show solely dedicated to lacrosse. It's our first one. Um, and we're very happy to have you as the guest. We couldn't have a, <laughs> couldn't have a, a better choice as a guest for our, our uh, lacrosse show here. Um, so thank you for joining us. Uh, my pleasure. Can you hear me? Okay. We can hear you just fine. Perfect. I wanted to ask you about the team this year because you're coming off last year, which is a, a historic season undefeated, both big 10 titles, national title. Many people call it one of the greatest teams of all time. And now you're coming into this season. Uh, how do you avoid getting caught up? in the inevitable comparisons when they start coming this year's team to last year's team, especially if maybe when you take a loss and that kind of thing. Yeah. I think, you know, having done this a while, you, you know, each year's team is different. And, and, and again, you, you hate losing the guys that you lose cause you get attached to them and um, you know, you really enjoy being around them, you know, and you develop strong relationships with them, but you realize you know, it's almost like parents, uh, they get to a certain point, you know, it's time for them to kind of continue their journey, go to college, be on their own. It's just, it's, it's kind of the, 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 the way things go. It's a journey of life. Um, so I think there's a little bit of sense, you know, in our locker room that those guys are gone. Um, and it's not the same team and we are, you know, a different group and, um, there are new guys in new spots. So, um, you know, I think for us, we we all realize that, you know, th- this is a new group with new challenges. You, you don't carry anything over. Um, so we've really just focused on trying to max out this group. And that's all we really even ever try to do is, you know, again, that be the best saying is something you see everywhere in our locker room. You see it on shirts. Um, but really, it does make it pretty simplistic for us is you know we're trying to make this team the best it can be and each guy individually the best they can be within what the team needs and that's all you can ever do um some days are a little better than others um you know some you know sometimes you make uh, some progress one day but then another day doesn't go quite as well but then you make progress in two straight days so um we're still trying to get a sense of you know, personnel and um, whose chemistry is best. And, you know, we're like any team right now, early season, living through some silly mistakes that every team makes, you know, uh, you're just not at your best. Your stick work is still trying, you're trying to get it there. Um, The guys are still reacting. They're not really, you know, playing in a way where it's super fluid right now, just because you have different people in there and new people in there. But if you can survive each week and keep getting better, 
um, and, and getting a better understanding of what people are trying to do against you and then improving in those areas. Um, hopefully that can carry over down the, to the end of the year to, to kind of make it run at things like you'd, you'd always like to do. So coach, um, and again, thank you for coming. I really appreciate you seeing you on here. This game against Richmond was, was the only game this season that will not be against a repeat opponent from last year. So you guys start this week, 11 straight weeks of, of seeing the same opponents again, except now you're, you're flipping home and away. Last year, after the Loyola game, they they come into that game preseason ranked, you know, sixth or seventh, and you all did to them pretty much what you did to pretty much everyone last year. And Coach Toomey came in to the press conference after after that game, and he just said, "Hey, we'll answer any questions. I, you know, credit to Maryland. I'll answer any questions for you guys." And he said, "But I'm, I got a locker room full of guys that are really kind of." hurting right now. And that's my concern. And so now you're playing them again. So this is the first chance for a team to kind of exact some, some revenge or to see how they measure up. What's that like for you guys? How do you prepare for that now? It's a different animal. You know, that, that actually did come up today. You know, we're, we're Mondays. We usually put to bed, you know, the, the game on Saturday and like every week, right. There's some things we did well, some things we didn't do quite as well, some teachable moments, um, you know, but then we did talk about being on the road for the first time and it's hard to win on the road. And um, obviously, you know, talked about our respect for Loyola, you know, just because, you know, I haven't been here. Um, you know, I remember playing them in 2012 and, and losing in a national championship. And, you know, that was 11 years ago. Um, and Jake and Jesse were on that team. So there's going to be a lot of respect from, from our staff, just knowing what a great program that has been for a long, long time. And, uh, I know Charlie Toomey extremely well and, and know that staff, like those guys, they've had great continuity there. Those guys know what they're doing. Um, and they are prideful. Um, and I think, uh, you saw last year, you know, they, they come off a season in 21 where, you know, they were just minutes away from going, you know, to the final four. And a lot of those guys were back. And, and sometimes it's just, you know, the chemistry injuries, um, you know, things just don't go maybe quite as well as you'd like. Um, and it gives you some time to reflect in the off season, but it gives you some motivation, um, to kind of, Hey, you know what, we're, we're going to kind of, kind of look at maybe making some tweaks, um, but really, you know, hopefully get healthy, um, you know, get the parts right, uh, hopefully get that chemistry at a really good level and uh, certainly a lot of motivation. And again, I think they're going to be ready to roll. Um, they always have great crowds there. Uh, they'll be really prepared. They have film on us. We don't have film for, film on them. So um, not exactly the easiest spot against a, a really good program. So um, to your point, Tony, like that's all stuff we addressed with the guys today. Um, you know, and, and funny things happen when you go on the road, you know, whether it's the bounce of the balls or whatever it may be. So we just got to be ready for it. Uh, we got to be ready for, uh, you know, people, you know, having some extra motivation, just like we did last year. Um, so you can use that in a really healthy way. Coach, a lot of the fans of the Maryland program look back on the history of Maryland and consider Maryland to be a blue blood in lacrosse. However, only having won two national titles for was about a 40 plus year gap, almost there until you won in 2017. And, and a lot of people, there was a stigma maybe starting to build where Maryland could get to the final weekend, but maybe couldn't close the deal. You've since changed that narrative. You've won two of the last five titles, which is a great thing. Do you, do you think about that sort of legacy at Maryland and the history of Maryland where people would think Maryland should be one of the all-time leaders in titles? It should be in double digits. They don't have it yet. Do you think about that as part of your tenure at Maryland, or is that something you say, I'm not thinking about that until I retire in 30 years when I got another 20 national titles? On <laughs> uh, do you think about it, you know? Um, I, I think um, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about the titles per se. Um because the, the titles are just a byproduct of, you know, the the things that you can control and trying to, again, reach your full potential, max out what you have. Um, and, you know, the winning the last game, you know, you do have to, some things have to go your way, right? You have to stay healthy. Um, you know, you hope things click at the right time. Sometimes you need some, some, some positive bounces. Um, and every year, 
there's always a couple teams that are really set up for that year. Um, and, you know, you just have to realize like, like in Loyola's case, 2012, like they were, in my opinion, clearly the best team that year um, from start to finish. I think they lost one game um, and, and it was a close game. Besides that, they were kind of start to finish the best team. Um, and sometimes you just have that veteran group or you have the group where everything clicks. So, you know, the end result, you know, you, you can't get too caught up on that. Uh, you know, to your point and thinking about that, I just appreciate the fact that lacrosse means so much in the state. And um, there's a, a lot of history of lacrosse in the state. You know, kids grow up playing families. Um, you know, it's part of their families. Um, it's part of your high school experience, part of your college experience. And uh, it's it's amazing to be in an area where lacrosse is so important. So given the fact that, you know, that is the case here, it's a really special, special thing. It really is. And uh, I think it motivates us to try to make sure we do our very best job um, just, just to be a team that people are proud of. Um, yeah, you're not going to win every game. It's just impossible, but you can be a team that plays really hard and plays smart and plays in a way that, you know, you're super unselfish and, and people are excited to watch you. Um, you can be a group that, you know, the way you carry yourself on and off the field that people can be proud of. Um, and I think that's really important to our staff, uh, that we represent really well. I'm sure we want to win the games, but not at the expense of, not representing Maryland well. Um, but I think we can, you know, hopefully each year try to be a group that, you know, positions ourselves that that maybe can play late um, and maybe some really special things happen. But even if we don't, that journey is going to be an amazing journey for our kids. Um, and hopefully, you know, we'll have opportunities that, you know, the people that come see us play, again, they'll enjoy watching us play and, and, and be really proud of what we're doing. I want to... I want to go a little inside coaching. Every sport kind of has its own unwritten rules, right? Like whether it's baseball or football, thing, things that you do or don't do that just kind of accepted. So in, in the case of, of your program being such a great program and especially the last, you know, three-ish years or so when, when your offense and defense have been playing so well, you guys are starting to put subs in mid third quarter happened again this past weekend, you know, against Richmond. Um, and the other team is keeping their starters into the last two minutes of the game. Are there unwritten rules like that in lacrosse that you do or don't? You know, when do you pull your starters? If you're if you're the team that's getting blown out, how long do you keep your starters in? Are there things that are generally accepted or not accepted, or is it just, you know, you just kind of go with it? Um, yeah, I didn't really expect Saturday to go the way that it did. Um, you know, again, it's as easy as, you know, playing Richmond in 19, it was a one-goal game. We were up. They came storming back. Uh, we played them in 20. We're down five goals in the fourth. Um, you know, they were – they were. I think Virginia had maybe a four-goal lead um, last year, but then they flipped that thing super fast, um, and they pulled away in that game. So, uh, you know, with, with it being early season and knowing what a good job Danny Shamadi and that, you know, their, their coaching staff does in that program, how good they've been – I didn't expect that at all. And I think Logan McNaney um, bailed us out a bunch because, you know, they outshot us. Uh, they had some good looks. And Logan, you know, that game was 3-1. We took a two-minute foul. Um, we killed, um, you know, a good amount of that. But then they still got a great look. Logan makes a save or it's 3-2. And that thing might settle in a little bit. Um, and, and who knows what happens. And so... I think for us, I think everybody is entitled to handle like the game however they need to. So I don't know if there really is, and, and maybe I'm not aware of it um, in terms of like taking your guys out. Cause I do think at the beginning of the year, you know, you're just trying to get your guys experience. You're trying to get better. Um, but there's also the balance of, you know, like how long do you want to leave your guys in there, whether you're winning or losing? Like there is a point in time, like, you know, Luke Weirman's in there and, you know, he's played a lot. It's, it's the fourth quarter, you know, there's 13 minutes left. Like how many faceoffs does he really need to get at that point? That's like a personal decision. Like you could argue, Hey, I got to build up his endurance and I want to shake off the rust. Um, the other side of that is, Hey, you know, like he gets hurt. Now you're going to kick yourself. 
that is a really hard one, I think, for for when you're on both sides of that. And I've, I've been on both sides, winning and losing. Um, you know, you don't want to wave the white flag too early. Um, you know, you want to fight to the end. But sometimes, like, you know, you, you got to cut your losses. You're kind of like, listen, it wasn't our day. And I just don't want to get anybody hurt. You know, if we're losing by eight goals with two minutes left, there are a lot of kids that are busting their butt every day in practice. And this might be an opportunity for those guys to get in and and just, you know, wear Maryland across their chest. And, and this might be one of the few opportunities we able, are able to get that um, and give them that opportunity. And, you know, those kids do work hard. So I've been on in that spot as a player and knowing that, you know, I did get in and got that opportunity. It meant a lot to me. So I think we try to be sensitive to that as well, because it is a long year and some days you have it. And some days, um, you know, it's just everything's hard and, you know, you just kind of live to fight another day. Speaking with Coach John Tillman, head the cross coach of the men's team, University of Maryland. He's at Coach Tillman One on Twitter. Uh, coach, you play currently play your games at CQ Field. It's obviously a football stadium, and with the popularity and the quality of the men's and women's team at the University of Maryland and with some other stadiums getting built around some lacrosse specific stadiums built being built around the country. What are the prospects for that happening at Maryland? And if it does, what, what capacity would you envision and kind of hope for, for that? Yeah, I think we're unique in that we, you know, there's so much history, you know, you know, in Maryland stadium, I, I think we'd have a tough time ever getting pulled out of there. Um, just, you know, we've hosted national championships there. Um, and I think the kids love playing there. Our locker room's in there now. Um, you know, certainly it's a it's a larger size lacrosse stadium, but, you know, it's still, I think, high 50s. So you're not talking about 100,000 seats. Um, it's probably, you know, probably on par with the Carrier Dome, which is another place I think has a great history as well. Um, but I do think for us, you know, like the history there, the fact that the kids love it, the tradition there, you know, it would be hard, I think, for us to do our own stadium because, you know, on a if, if you're playing a like a really good team, which it seems like every week we're playing a really good team or a, a rival or, you know, a league game, you know, you know, you name it. How big a stadium are you going to build? Um, you'd have to build a pretty big one. Um, the Hopkins game, you know, can get, you know, you know, 12 to 18,000 people, you know, you're probably not building one that big. So uh, is it feasible? Um, if you wanted to do like, I think Clockner makes sense for Virginia because they do soccer and lacrosse, but I think we're just far enough North where grass probably doesn't make sense for us. And, and I know coach Sash, who's a legend in the soccer, you know, community, he would want grass, totally get it. But, it, you know, with us at this time of year, grass probably doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, you know, we would want to be able to play on it all year round. So that means just ourselves and the women, and they're getting an upgrade right now. So right now, I don't see it happening anytime soon. Um, you know, I never try to say never always. I'll always be open-minded with things. But I think we're pretty happy with where we are. Um, maybe some people aren't, but I think our kids really like it. Our alums like it. Um, I still think it's a great venue. Um, but if, you know, something popped up and it made sense for the program, we'd certainly look at it. How has Gossett helped? How are you all using Gossett now? Yeah, I, I think it's been huge, Tony. Like, you know, when, when we moved out of the varsity team house, you know, our locker room situation was, was not ideal. It was a very small locker room. Um, it was very cramped. Um, and it was literally just a locker room. Um, you, you know, you went in, you changed and you left. Um, it's tight. Um, there was really no place to hang out. And, uh, you know, wasn't, wasn't a place. I think our guys were like super excited to get there early and stay late just because, you know, there, it wasn't comfortable. You know, you sat in your locker, it was tight on each other. Um, Gossett has been a game changer for us because, you know, we move into football's locker room and, you know, you're talking about half the size of, you know, the, the team in terms of numbers. So there's a ton of room. We took a lot of lockers out, a lot of space. So we opened everything up. And especially after COVID, we thought it was important that the guys connect. Cause I think all of us, whether it's a family, your friends, 
a team, there was a lot that we lost in terms of connecting with people and relationships. And um, I think we really wanted to try to get that back on track and maximize our connectivity. So we opened that up. We have, you know, couches in there. We have TVs in there. Um, we have some video games in there. We have a ping pong table. Um, you know, the guys can play like little, we have a little like hacky sack locker room situation where the guys can kind of hang out. Um, and, and there's very much, it's a relaxed environment upstairs is our academic center. Um, right next door is the training room, the weight room, the kids can go out on the field and shoot. So it becomes this place in the center of campus that the kids all like they'll meet there, but you can do a lot there. You could spend a lot of time there. You can, you know, get a tutor and spend a couple hours there. You can meet with your advisor about you know, your classes for next semester, but then you can just go down and, you know, you might be able to, you know, check in on an, a, a zoom for an online class, um, or you might be able to go meet with the coaches to watch film. So I think there's a sense of guys really liking being there, excited to be there. You can relax there. Um, we did team meals there during January, so the, the, the view of coming to practice and coming up to the facility is, is totally different. Um, I think the kids are comfortable. They have a lot of fun there and they're really excited about coming up. And I think it's helped the bonding and it's helped uh, just the relationships, the level of relationships and the strength of those. Um, and that's been huge. I'm going to ask, this is my, my last question for you, coach. Larry's going to jump in here in a sec, but um, I want to talk about the evolution of your offense. So 2019, you all lose that kind of, at least to Maryland fans, that infamous game where where a a ball from UVA that hit the pipe got counted as a goal. Um, And you remake your offense the following year. So 2020, there's, you know, you and Coach Ruppert, who's now Holy Cross, um, really radically overhaul that offense. How much has the offense, though, changed from that initial kind of 2020 version of it through the pandemic 21 year through last year's title. And now this year to me, the players have changed, but to me, it looks like the, the basics of that, of that philosophy you all have hasn't, am I, am I off on that? Or is it changing a lot based on personnel? Um, no, you, we, we definitely have some core things that we'd love to be able to do and and things that we believe in. You know, we, we obviously, um, you know, we, we try not to rely on one person on offense and defense just because, uh, listen, if you, if you watch that, that, that San Francisco, um, Philadelphia game and you see the quarterback, you know, all of a sudden, you know, Purdy gets, goes down, then their backup goes down. You can see, you know, if, and, and in football, it's different because the quarterback position is so unique, but what we try to do everywhere on the field, um, whether it's defense, offense, faceoffs we try not to be too reliant on one person because, you know, inevitably like that person could go down and then you feel the effects of that. So I think at our core, we try to maximize our parts, but, but even like with guys like Jared and Logan, you know, the ball just didn't start and end with them on every possession. Um, We try to utilize their skill sets uh, to the best of their ability, but we try to put pressure on the defense because we don't want to be overly predictable and scripted where people can just watch our film and they'll go, all right, well, this is what they do. So if we do these things, we will shut them down. Um, so I think there's little elements that we've taken from other sports, whether it's emotion off in, in basketball um, or even elements to like a spread option in football or just the option in football where there's some deception, there's moving, um, there's guys moving all over. Um, you know, we try to be fluid. We try to get rhythm uh, with what we're doing. Um, we try to have versatile parts that allow us to do a lot of different things. Um, I think the depth component is really important. Um, I think having depth allows you to play a faster pace um, just because, you know, you're not going from, you know, your top tier guys, you know, maybe your first midfield to the second midfield. And realizing, oh gosh, you know, like we, if we get our first midfield gassed, there's a huge drop off. And I, I do think depth in every sport is really important. You, you see that in basketball teams that only go seven deep, how fast can you really play? Um, because you really want to maximize those top seven guys. So do you really want to run and gun? Those kids better be in really good shape. So for us, 
that depth kind of dictates a little bit of our tempo and how fast we can play. But I also think your defense does um, because if you have depth and defense, you know, we had that the last few years, especially, you know, at the pole position and the short stick position, you know, you can get up and down and run when you're not relying on just, you know, Roman Puglisi and like, you know, if he's your elite short stick, but you only have one, you're in that same predicament and we could go deep last year with Smith, you know, and Higgins and Bubba. So if you have a quick, you know, change of uh, possession or you take a quick shot, you can go back on defense because you can sub, you know, Josh Kaufman in or one of those other guys. So it's not that big a deal. So that's where I think sometimes, you know, when we first got to Maryland, we played a little bit slower pace, but we felt like we just didn't have that depth and and we liked our top 10, 12 guys. So we were like, what can we do to maximize those guys? Well, we felt like maybe being a little bit more conservative um, and keeping those guys fresh was just important, but we've tried our best to recruit um, and have more depth, but it is hard with, you know, 12 scholarships and 50 players those scholarships don't go that far. And I think every coach in the sport of lacrosse, that's probably the biggest challenge is, you know, with not that many scholarships, it's hard to be deep every year. Um, so I do think there's from 2020, we we committed to playing faster and pushing the ball in transition um, and then, you know, playing at a faster clip um, because we had all those elements. And we felt like a lot of those guys returned in 21. A lot of those guys returned in 22. Um, and we certainly lost a lot of guys we, we are still doing a lot of those same things you saw last week, um, you know, but we are adjusting a little bit to the personnel that we have because we just feel like that makes the most sense. Um, we don't want to try to make let this group do everything we did last year. Um, but, you know, when you bring in, you know, Bobby Benson two years ago and then Jake this year, you do bring in some fresh ideas and, and some guys going, hey, what about this? You know, what about this? And um, I think that's awesome. I, I just think it's a way for you to keep evolving as a program. You know, you bring in these guys that have been in other places and uh, we want them to start going, hey, I know you do it this way, but what if, have you tried this? And I think if you utilize the fall to try out some of those things, sometimes they work well, sometimes they don't, man, it, it just keeps you, I think, you know, kind of keeps you evolving um, and it doesn't allow you to get stale yet we may end up going back to some of the things that we just feel most comfortable with. Um, and then when we play all these good teams, we play and, you know, we, we, we watched Richmond a lot of the last co- couple of weeks. We're always like, wow, why don't we do that? Like they do that really well. It was really hard to defend. So we're always picking up some new ideas. I don't think we have many original ideas, um, but man, we we're always respectful of our opponents. And if we find something we can scale, we're going to put it in our back pocket. Coach, we end every interview we do with fill in the blank. I'm going to ask you five rapid fire questions. You say the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. All right. (laughs) Here we go. The most underrated player you've coached is. Um, Probably Jake Higgins. Okay. The former Terp who is going to become the next great coach will be. Oof. <laughs> um, boy. Are there any in the ranks right now? We got a lot. That's what's hard. Oh. Um, you know, Casey Iketa's at Penn. You know, you have Ryan Moran, um, who's at UMBC, who's done a good job. Um, you know, I got I got Jake and Jess with me. Uh, Chris Fife's is at Vermont. Um, I got to have this awesome coaching tree is the answer to that one. Oh, well, I got, you know, (laughs) I got JL Ruppert who took on Bobby Benson this weekend, you know, yeah, they're not Terps, but they were with us and they're terrific coaches. It's like, gosh, how can I pick just one? Cause there's so many good ones. You know, you got Brian Phipps at Spalding and Brian Farrell, you know, up at boys Latin and you could go on and on. Like, I don't know if I could pick one because they're all terrific. All right. We'll accept that. There's going to be 10. Okay. <laughs> Number three, if you weren't coaching lacrosse, the other sport you'd love to coach is? I'd say football. Okay. Your favorite bar or restaurant in College Park is? Um, 
in College Park, it's hard because that's our guys' territory. I, I I would give probably if I'm picking one place to go in Annapolis, I go to Davis's Pub um, because because uh, I live in Annapolis and uh, my man Kevin Colbeck uh, owns the place and uh, like it's my type of place. So that would be my go-to. In College Park, I kind of leave that to the players. Um, obviously, got to give a shout out to John Brown and Bentleys because they uh, obviously they got a lot of jerseys up there. I think Jared Bernhardt's jersey just went up over the weekend. So nice. um, certainly, you know, appreciate what they do because I know our, our Terps have spent a lot of time there. All right, last one. The 2023 men's lacrosse national champions will be? <laughs> the team that wins on Memorial Day. We were, we were debating because I, I told you I told I ran you these no by, by, by wheels before the show. I was we were debating what's he going to say. Will he will he have the balls to say Maryland? We'll see. <laughs> uh, whoever wins Memorial on Memorial Day is going to be that team. You know, I mean, obviously every coach in Division One would hope that you know that could be their team, and that's uh, ultimately the goal, and that's what you dream about. But uh, there's so many things that would have to. Uh, fall into place but you got to dream big right and and you know you, you work your butt off but at the end of the day uh, it's just such a hard thing to do and there's so many good teams out there that you just never know what's going to happen but uh certainly never going to limit our guys and and lower the bar uh, we're always going to dream big and work hard and let the chips fall last thing we ask if everybody comes on the show could you do us a favor and say this is john tillman and you're listening to ims radio sure this is John Tillman, and you are listening to IMS Radio. Perfect. Thank you, Coach. Thank you for joining us. Good luck on this season. Great start. We're looking forward to it. We're looking forward to seeing you on Memorial Day, too, by the way. <laughs> no pressure, right? No pressure. Thanks, Coach. See you soon. No problem. Thanks, guys. You're the best. Thank you. All right. Bye. Right. So... <laughs> That was awesome. He is at Coach Tillman One, by the way, on Twitter. So go follow him. But we had how many questions planned, but then his answers were yeah. <laughs> five minutes long. And then I and then I get to the to the Phil Blake and I said, This is rapid fire. Uh, yeah. And he's still <laughs> so he kept going. He's but like, you get a sense. I mean, like yeah. I you, you really get a sense for for kind of who he is. And this is that's who he is. I mean, yeah. Really good guy. I mean, I've never spoken to him before, obviously. So um, really cool guy and obviously great at what he does. One of the best in the country. Right. So I, I think he is the best. I think at any best. level, I think he's the best. Um, I mean, look, you know, when Bill Belichick is, is talking about John Tillman, you know, is it better to be in lacrosse a head coach in college or in the premier lacrosse, is this what it's called? Premier lacrosse? Yeah, the PLL. That's a great question. Um, that's a really good question. I mean, the PLL is such a different animal. It's only really happening over the summer. And it's a, it's not an independent. Yeah. There's the PLL owns all of the, the teams. So there's, there's a lot of stuff that happens at the league level, not necessarily at the coaching level. Right. Um, and they're Very not practicing similar. every day. Yeah, they're not practicing every day and those kinds of things. Um, but I think there's a reason why you 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 get like when the the U.S. national team there's a world championship that plays every four years. I think there's a reason why you see uh, in the world championships college coaches normally being the ones that that lead those um, because they're they're just so good at everything. On his Twitter, he posted like a congratulations to the U.S. national team. And it listed every player and what college they went to. And I think five of them were from Maryland. Yeah. Five. That's and during the tryouts, you know, great, the, right? the, the final player pool of, you know, 40 people had like 13, had like 13 or 14 Terps on it. Um, that's pretty good. Yeah. All right. Since we're doing season preview, what is your prediction for the record? Um, we got just in a few minutes here. We're going to, we're running way, way over. That was a long interview. So real quickly, What's your season prediction? You can do a record, how they're going to finish, all that kind of stuff. Um, so if if they got 12 regular season games, at least two um, uh, Big Ten tournament games. Why at least two? Because uh, there's a semi. If you finish if fifth lose? or sixth, if you finish fifth, fifth or sixth, you get, there's kind of a bit of a play-in that happens. But 
if you're one of the top four seeds, you don't play until the semifinal round. But what if they lose? Then there's only one, right? Right. Okay. So, but but come on, they're not losing. I, I think. I think it's I, possible. It is. Um. And then you know what? The NCAA tournament, you get f- maximum four. So there's 18 total games they could play. Um. I think they're. I mean, I for them to go undefeated again would just be un unimaginable really it'd be, it's crazy um i think they're going to finish up 16 and 2 i think they're going to go all the way to, to memorial day i don't know if they're going to win it all but i think they're going to play 18 games i think they're going to finish 16 and 2 there'll be one of them there okay i think so very nice we have now a very special um submission for this show normally when we do the show you submit something called the non-revs report well paul douglas heard that we were doing this and so paul decided that he he wanted to share something called the revs report (laughs) so now here is the revs report from paul douglas make sure you can let me know that you can hear this too by the way i've had so many technical issues but here we go hi this is paul douglas with the revenue sports report for all you normies out there (laughs) Maryland basketball seems to have remembered what they're doing recently, reeling off wins against Wisconsin, Nebraska, Indiana, and at Minnesota to get themselves to 16-7 and and 7-5 in conference. Jameer Young is well on his way to first-team All-Big Ten. Julian Reese is turning into a dependable big man, despite refs calling him for fouls when he sneezes or looks too intently at opposing players. And seniors Hakeem Hart and Dante Scott are back to playing as well as we've come to expect. They're well on track to make the NCAA tournament in Kevin Willard's first year and also picked up a commitment from 7-foot IMG center Braden Pierce last week to add to their excellent recruiting class already consisting of Jonathan Lamothe, Jamie Kaiser, and Deshaun Harris-Smith. On the football side, Mike Loxley is everything everywhere all at once. From watching his guys at the Senior Bowl to dapping up Jalen Hurts at the NFC Championship to hitting up coaching clinics in Vegas to shore up his coaching staff. And in the middle of all of that, he got a commitment from four-star Florida linebacker Michael Harris on signing day, and the Terps finished with the number 32 recruiting class in the country. Nicholas Harbour decided to go to South Carolina for some reason, and we all look forward to his future track career. Terps have assistant coach openings, most notably at offensive coordinator, which they will likely fill before spring ball decides to approach as we get into the month of March. That is all for today's Revenue Sports Report. So back to Larry and Wheels for whatever dumb shit they're talking about. Thank you, Paul. I mean, Larry, you tell me I got to stick to a minute. I mean, he, you know. I Listen, he didn't follow the rules, man. <laughs> he didn't follow the rules. That was a minute and a half. Yeah, it was 30 seconds too long. 30 seconds too long, Paul. <laughs> Paul's got a great radio voice. Yeah, that wasn't bad. That wasn't bad. That was pretty I can good. hear him like doing traffic on WTOP. <laughs> traffic. <laughs> yeah. I remember growing up in in Baltimore, there's a guy named Detour Dave the yep. traffic slave. Yeah, him. yeah. Yeah. All right. Now we're gonna end the show with a very special segment. Normally I'm the one who has some sort of game that I'm running for the other guys, and they have to answer trivias or fill in the blanks or over-unders or something like that. But in this one, because I don't really know anything about lacrosse. We decided to flip the script a little bit and wheels is going to give me lacrosse terms and we're going to see if I know what they are. So take it away. You got some terms for me. I'm going to see how well I do here. All right. Ready? Yeah. Crease. That is easy. That's the circular. I believe it's circular (laughs) area around the goal. It's so easy. I think it's circular. (laughs) Well, because hockey is not quite circular, so, <laughs> uh, so uh, where the other, the opposing team is not allowed to enter specifically when they're scoring goals and that kind of thing. It's the goalies' home base. Good. Okay. Crease. All right, I agree. Let's clear. Clear. Just does you mean to clear the ball, like mm-hmm. like when you're on defense, you're trying to clear it out of your zone. Uh huh. That's there a, you go. That's a, okay. There so, you go. Good. So two for two. Yes. Okay. Ride. Okay. I think, I think this is a term 
for a defensive player who's marking an offensive guy in a certain way, such that he's kind of like running right next to him. He's kind of like riding along with him. No. Okay. Good, good try that. What is it? So if clearing is when you're trying to go from defense to offense, riding is when you're trying to prevent the defense from clearing. So it's like a full court press. Damn. Okay. Right? Two out of three. Two it's like a three. press. Okay. Restraining line. Restraining line? The, okay. I don't know, but the first thing I thought of was this has to do with how lacrosse allows substitutions in the middle of play. Is it the line that they have to kind of stay behind while they're doing that? Close. So, you know, uh, when there's a face-off and you see players, there's, there's a box. It looks like there's a big box that goes around the offensive and defensive zones. Mm-hmm. You'll notice that the face-off, the players are – the offensive players for Maryland and the defensive player for the opponent, they'll be inside of this big box on okay. the offensive half of the field, and there's another one on the other end of the field. So they're called restraining lines. Okay, so not what I said. Okay, two, two for four. This next one, actually, there's two possible answers. Okay. Simple question. What is X? X. The letter X. No idea. All Uh, right. I was going to try and call for a guess, but what is X? Yep. So X is is the position. It's on offense. Okay. The offensive player who plays behind the goal is referred to as the X attackman. So X is a spot behind the goal. Sometimes, though, you'll also hear people at the face-off, they'll call it the face-off X. Okay. So the X or the dot. But normally, X is, is that spot where there's an offensive player playing behind yeah, the goal. I started so well. You gave me easy ones. You I, me I, up. <laughs> gave me confidence. I'm two out of five now. How many more do you want to do? Keep going. Keep going. All right. I, got I, three, I need to get a. I need to get a. You got three more. I got three more. All right, let's do all three. I need all to right. get a positive here above above one. <laughs> rope unit. Jesus. <laughs> rope unit. Rope unit. This sounds like it's the. It sounds like it's like one of the strings of players. Like you got first string, you second. You got your rope unit. They're the guys who come in. And they're they're like the bully line in hockey. They're not trying to score. These are the guys who are out there just trying to like beat people in the face and beat them up and beat them down. They're they're more defensive and they're just trying to muddy up the game. They're the rope unit. I mean, you're kind of getting there. So the rope unit is is your defensive midfield. So you'll sub your offensive midfield off and your defensive midfield. So it's a long stick midfielder and then two short stick defensive midfielders. So Dante Trader is playing a short stick defensive midfielder on the rope unit. So it's, it, it refers to those three defensive midfielders. All right. Yeah. I need, I need both of these in order to, to get to 500 here. I'm too. Okay. Of- you might, I think you're going to get this one now. Okay. It, it's it, so it's almost kind of like I finished the question. Uh, finish the answer, uh, finish the, yeah, finish the sentence. What happens to the player closest to the ball on a shot when it goes out of bounds. Uh, they win possession for their There team. you go. Right. That That's always it? one of the things people struggle with is they're like, why are they running? Why is everyone running after the shot? Right. Uh, okay. How All possession, right. possession gets to, I need this on a one shot. to get to 500. All right. But this is going to be a tough, this will be a tough one now. What right. is offsides? How is a team offsides in lacrosse? Who? Okay, I'm trying to think of the rules. How could you be offsides? I think it has to do with the fact that you're only allowed a certain number of players across on each on the offensive zone. And I think it might be if you have too many players in the offense at one time. Got or defense, but I'll take it. Oh, okay. Or defense. Yep. You got too Boom. many players. You got too many players on either side. Wait, you get. I need one more because I want to. I don't want to be five hundred. I want to get about. <laughs> Give me one more. You're like, think of one more. Think you of you one, more. one more. Um. Well, see now I got. I don't have one more. You don't have one more. Okay. Because well, I, I'll take it. Four, four out of eight. I did okay. You did. The if, you were, if you were reading was, my weekly coverage, though, I think you might have gotten some more of those, Larry. 
Oh, I read it. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm sure others can probably come up with stuff as well, but I was sure you were going to ask me Fogo and I know what that is. I wasn't going to go there. I know that. But do you know what it means? Do you know what Fogo Face actually Face off, get off. There right? you go. There you go. See, five, I, I was five sure. Out of you, nine. Yeah, sure you're going to ask me that one. I, five was, out of nine. I was prepared for that. <laughs> Especially since Maryland's got the best one in the game, right? I mean, so. it, it seems like it's the most important position in the game because if you have more possessions, like. Yeah. Before the shot clock, it was. It was absolutely crucial because teams could just grind on possessions. They could just, you know, you, you got possession and you'd spend four minutes on offense. You'd never get the ball. Um, but what's even the, with the shot clock now, your ability that to get repeat possessions when, when coach Tillman was talking about being able to play faster, you can only do that when you're getting the ball more. So yeah. it's become I really went to vital. A, a high school, I've been a bunch of high school basketball games recently. Uh, a good friend of mine, uh, my neighbor, son's a very good basketball player. They're finishing up their season. I went to a bunch of their games. They played their rival, and the rival had the lead with four minutes to go. There's no shot clock. And I'm sitting there pulling my hair out like, what the? <laughs> There's got to be a shot clock. Like, they're just wasting the entire last quarter of the, of the game. Like, it was like, like four corners. It was like watching UNC play in the early 80s, yeah, right? Like, Jesus. Yeah, not so that ha- not that like not that half of the IMS listener base could could even remember watching a game when when UNC ran a four corners, but uh, that was even before me. Like, I, oh no, you you were come on. I watched in the late seventies, but I don't think Dean Smith was doing that. In the oh 70s. yeah, he was. They they didn't was they didn't drop the shot clock until like I mean, early eighties. Remember what happened in the Georgetown UNC title game, the one where Sleepy Floyd threw the yeah. threw the wrong pass. Uh, UNC had been in a UNC had been in their their four corners offense for like five minutes at that point. They didn't drop really shot clock didn't Why come in till that's like till, till a few years later, I think, like mm. mid-80s. Okay. Yeah. Damn Dean Smith. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Only won two national titles, though. Yeah. As great as he was. I guess he was great. Yeah, he was great. See what's weird to me is is um my my dislike of Duke is far far deeper than my oh, yeah. dislike of UNC. How but it's interesting. I know a lot of I know a lot of older you know guys who are who are you know in their sixties and seventies. It's North Carolina. Yeah, they hate UNC. They just hate them. But yeah. I, I don't know. I always kind of thought Dean Smith was like a decent person. Like whereas Coach K, I'm. Don't really think he's that decent no, of a person. He's not. He's so, you know, I Duke, even in lacrosse, I mean, you know, see to see Duke lose a game in lacrosse is is great. I, I'm mostly over it, although I still watch and I root against Duke, but I don't it's not the same. I used yeah. to have visceral, visceral like rage. Yeah. At seeing him and seeing that team. And I Duke I, still Duke still refuses to play Maryland during regular season in almost every sport. Um, Maryland went down to Durham. The lacrosse program had their first scrimmage of the year down at Durham. And I think it's the first time they've done anything not during the NCAA tournament. They've played Duke in the tournament since 2014. But I think this is the first time Maryland and Duke and lacrosse have actually done anything, you know, kind of regular season seasonish. And it makes me think that next year they might they might actually schedule a a regular season game. I think there's a bit of a bit of a precursor, a bit of a thawing because Shashevsky finally retired, right? Right. So all of a sudden now, you know, yeah. maybe maybe Duke felt a little, maybe maybe uh, Coach Janowski down there felt like he could finally schedule a game. All right, Wheels, awesome show, excellent lacrosse preview show. Despite my issues in the beginning with the start and stop. But once we got things rolling, things are good. And, and Coach Tillman is obviously very good at what he does. And, and it was awesome having him on the show. And I, I, you know, I expect Maryland to be in in the Final Four again this year and have their shot. It's in, it's in Philadelphia. Final Four is in Philly this year. So uh, no excuse for, for, uh, for Maryland fans to not, not go. to not make that hour and a half drive up to the link. You know, it's, it's why well, I live in Virginia. 
two and a half hours. Depends. <laughs> I would. Say I, I live in the. I live in the Philly area. You know, I, I can't host everyone, but you know, may, maybe I can host some people. All right. Well, last year I know we all said we were going to go to where's it Hartford? Yeah. And we didn't. No, so of course not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna promise, but we'll see. Well, well thanks for doing this. Thanks, thanks, thanks for doing this. It was uh yeah, yeah. It was fun. Paul, I promise it'll never happen again. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> Don't say that. The next yeah. time we do a show, everybody's gonna have to look at Paul again. Exactly. All right. Awesome job, Wheels. Thank you to everybody who's joined in the chat. There's not many left. There was a lot more earlier, and they've kind of dwindled a little bit since Coach Tillman left. But if you're still here, please give us a follow on IMS Radio. We would very much appreciate that. I don't know when we're going to do a show. We haven't done one in a while, a, a regular MS radio show. Maybe if they beat Michigan State tomorrow night, we'll do that. I don't know. But uh, whenever that is, we'll be sure to let you guys know. Thank you for joining. This is IMS Radio. <laughs>